2022 was a year filled with plenty of moments from Apple. Some were fantastic, while others were, well, meh, to put it lightly. And on this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we're talking about the moments from Apple that struck a chord with the staff of Macworld. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Karen Haslam. Hi. And David Price. Hello. I'm sure you've seen Karen and David's bylines on Macworld, and in case you didn't know, they are based in the UK, and it's really nice to have you two on the show. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for getting up so early, Roman. Oh, it's not a problem. We should have you guys on the show more often. It's... Um, for listeners who care, probably don't, but I'm based in San Francisco. They're based in the UK. So that's like, what, an eight-hour time difference? Yeah, and you're very much bearing the brunt of it today. So I think next time we, next time we need to stay up a bit later. Oh, uh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. Just finish work early today, Roman. I think you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clock out early. Thank you. So a lot happened with Apple this past year, obviously, uh, some things resonated more than others. And to end the year, we're going to chat about some of those moments, the ones that really made an impression on us, good or bad. Do you have a particular Apple event moment product that stood out out of 2022? Uh, well, one of the ones that I thought of was the Mac Studio. So I could talk a bit about that. One of the main reasons why that sort of came up for me, is because it really is the only pro Mac update we've seen all year. And that actually incidentally happens to be one of my lowlights of the year, the fact that there wasn't a lot of uh, pro Mac news. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. You know, with the Mac Studio, it fills the gap left by the now discontinued 27-inch iMac and the fact that Apple still hasn't updated the Mac Pro. We ha I had been hoping for an M Pro, um, M1 Pro um, Mac Mini, but that hasn't arrived yet so a bit of a disappointment too but anyway <laughs> the mac studio it's a it's the option for mac pros at the moment really it's the only option there was a gap there that we weren't sure that apple was going to fill what i was expecting at the time was an m1 pro mac mini i thought they would replace that mac mini with the intel chip that they're still selling a mac mini that would sort of fit in that kind of gap and sort of take the mac mini to a sort of a more professional audience because I, I know it's quite popular in sort of certain areas so it seemed like it was that they were missing that sort of desktop for the pro and what they did at the time was they discontinued the iMac the 27 inch iMac and yeah what, what we ended what we've got is a, is a Mac Studio which is I think a good sort of gap fill gap for this time period where we don't really have a, a Mac Pro and we don't have a professional or sort of an iMac Pro. The the biggest problem the Mac Studios had really is availability. I mean, I think practically impossible to get hold of the M1 Ultra version. It's got a lot of good to say about it, but in a way that's because there's nothing good to say about any other Pro Max right now. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a weird. We're in a weird situation now because Apple said they were going to do a two year rollout, and we all expected it in 2022 that we were going to see the Mac Pro and then there were even rumors of an iMac Pro or a 27-inch iMac replacement. So we thought that we were going to get those higher-end Macs and then the one we got, which is a good machine, the Mac Studio, 
it's a really good machine. The thing I like about the Max Studio too is it, it's a powerful machine in this nice little little footprint. Although I know some people need a bigger footprint with a tower to put cards in and stuff. You can't help but sort of think, you know, Apple's made this mistake mistake twice already with the Cube all those years ago, and then the cylinder or trash can Mac Pro. You know, it's like, is it a mistake? It's made again. Has it tried to do a Pro Mac in a tiny? shape um and hopefully that's not the case yeah apple certainly does seem to be insistent that there's a demand for a smaller pro-like machine that you know it's compact in some ways you could sort of look at the 16 inch mac macbook pro with the m1 max chip and you could say there's your pro mac there have been so many great deals on the 14 inch and 16 inch macbook pro because you know Basically, they didn't they didn't bring out new models, so everyone's selling off the old ones. That really is, and they're good machines. You know, there's no there's no reason not to buy one at these prices. Probably going to be a bit annoyed if it's if they're now four hundred dollars less than they were when you bought one. But you know, <laughs> is that your recommendation at the moment? Then, if somebody needs a pro machine rather than waiting for a new iMac Pro or a new Mac Pro, you think they should buy a MacBook Pro that's a little bit older? and save their money in that respect i definitely have something to say because i think when apple at least for us people in the uk and anywhere else outside of the us i think when apple brings out the new mac macbook pros they're going to raise the prices because when they brought out the new ipads in october the prices across the range raised raised by like up to 25 percent in the uk and so on the high end we're now paying like more than like 200 300 pounds more than we were before you know it's just like prices and i know it's due to exchange rates and everything else but if when they bring out the m2 pro and the m2 max macbook pros they could they could cost considerably more than they do right now i think you know you'd be wise to just sort of save your money (laughs) and probably at that point you'll be able to get even better discounts on the m1 pros yeah that's another thing that kind of stood out from apple this year is that in the US the prices went up, but not as much as they did in the UK and in other countries. It was a drastic increase in price. David, do you have some something that stood out to you for 2022? Are we being positive or negative? Right? <laughs> I mean, that's the question. I tell, like a little bit of a highlight for me was the uh, was the Apple Watch Ultra. I did enjoy that. I gave it um, a sort of medium review. Uh, they were, I did have some issues with it, but what I did like about it was that they gave it another button, which is which is a sort of a bit of an obsession with me. I think it's an obsession with them as well, that they are desperate to get rid of all the buttons they can. Maybe this is a, like a Johnny Ive legacy thing that won't happen now that he's gone, but you feel like his his optimal product is like a perfect white sphere that has no controls or user interaction whatsoever. <laughs> and then this year they actually added a button, so they'd had that that classic button plus dial Apple Watch design for uh, seven generations. This was the eighth. And they brought in the Apple Watch Ultra with an action button on the left-hand side. I had, I have to say, I found it quite difficult to use um, because I was so I was so used to for seven generations. I think I've had one from every one of the generations. You rest your right, you rest your right thumb on the left-hand side of the device in order to press uh, the side button or the, or the digital crown. When you finally change, then you're not used to it and your muscle memory does that. So I was I was turning on the torch and starting off 
uh, workouts by accident all the time. That that should be okay in the future. And I really like what it says about Apple's priorities in terms of design and usability and what they prioritize is that instead of uh, you feel like Apple of five years ago, they would have just said, well, this is how it's going to be. We want it to look as nice as possible. We don't care what you want somehow. But it's quite, it's quite nice that they, they've made that decision. It's a bit of a compromise. They've, they've sort of thought about it and they've, they've, they've worked out that somebody with big fat gloves on who's hiking across a snowy landscape is going to want a little easy to hit button rather than going through the menu. So, yeah, I like that. I thought that was a bit of a highlight. It's such a small thing, I know. but With the Apple Watch Ultra, you need that button there, as you point out, to, to, perform, to perform certain functions. You need access to those functions basically instantaneously, and you can't do it any other way. And you could argue that that button is elegance. You know, that Elegance doesn't have to mean a lack of controls. I th- for me, elegance is usability. I don't. I don't think they are in in contradiction at all. I think a device that does everything it needs to do in the right way—that's elegance. And it, it always saddens me when I feel like like there's somebody with a spreadsheet somewhere that's going, "Well, that's that's too complicated. We need to prune it down for no reason." And just, well, I don't. I don't think you do. And it is nice. It looks nice. It's orange. Always good, you know. More orange tech products is always good. Nice bright orange button. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent one. When you say it's it's a very niche sort of um, that it used to be that the expensive Apple watches were you know the ones that were made from titanium were kind of like going after that high end of the market where you know you had the people who had the status symbol and they'd be prepared to pay for those Hermes straps and everything else. But um, it's almost like they've they've decided to not profit with that part of the market so much now and go after the sports the sort of sports enthusiasts and i don't know if that if if that's true if they really have given up on the idea of people who wear a watch as a status symbol in favor of people who use it for sports and maybe that is a massive market much bigger than i realize but yeah it's it, it, it seems like a niche i think they're both very small market so you've got the influencer slash celebrity fashion market and you've got the extreme sports hiker um outdoors type market and i think in both those cases they'll sell very few units it's like that old-fashioned strategy of having the catwalk and they're not gonna you know the 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 couture items that a fashion label has on the catwalk they're gonna sell almost none of them but they exist to create the brand that they then sell through diffusion lines to everybody else. So obviously they've changed what they want to seem like. You know, it used to be that they go, well, look, Dr. Dre, that's a famous person. I think that's right. Um, Dr. Dre has an Apple Watch uh, edition made of gold. Um, therefore, you want one. And now maybe the public has changed what they think about, you know, it's it's um, people who wants to emulate. And now they're saying, well, you want to be like these people that go on polar expeditions. I know I, I have to say I tested the Apple Watch Ultra. I'm not an Arctic explorer, and I was sort of conscious that a lot of its features weren't useful for me. You know, as I was saying with with the action button, I ended up using it just for activating workouts, which I don't think is a killer application. I think if you're doing it for waypoints on a hike, it's very useful. But yeah, I'm I'm not in the niche, and I have to say, be careful when you choose whether to buy it that you are in the niche, as you said, Karen, which is which is a pretty small one. I think. I have not seen an Apple Watch Ultra in the wild. That makes sense because it's you know I'm not hanging out in at the Arctic Circle or in the Himalayas or anything <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so just walking down the street. 
Yeah, I mean, it's maybe less effective as a status symbol anyway because it's a bit uncomfortable because um, it's it's thicker to to make it more robust. But that means it doesn't really fit under your shirt quite as comfortably, and it's not so nice to sleep sleep when you're wearing it. So uh, it's more of a like a self reinforcing niche than the uh, Apple Watch Edition, which you just have to have money for. Really, is that still a thing? Do people see Apple products or? Do people still think of Apple products as a status symbol because they're so common now? You definitely get people who use an anti-Apple stance as a status symbol of their own. Um, and there and there are plenty of, you know, Samsung smartphones and stuff that are just as expensive, maybe more so than the Apple equivalent. Got those folding phones that are $2,000. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if it is as much of a status symbol anymore. They certainly want it to yeah, be. Yeah, they but, want it to be. And maybe subconsciously it is. And for us, maybe it is because we're, but we work, you know, we do what we do and, you know, we're a little more aware of that kind of thing. When I go on the bus, I, I see what phones people are using. I see if they're wearing Apple watches, not because it's a status thing. It's just a thing that I've always done. We're hyper aware, aren't we? Because of what we yeah. do. But they do, they do seem more basic to us. Um, we get, desensitized to it so occasionally i'll i'll whip out the latest iphone or ipad and and somebody will go oh look at you you've got that and i'll be like oh well i i reviewed it so it's just it's work to me but yeah very silly my life is very strange i was just gonna say maybe there will be a benefit and the price is rate rising next year if it suddenly makes apple look like that sort of you know um thing people aspire to because they can't afford anymore yeah, that's probably true of almost everything, isn't it? People will say, oh, I can afford to pay my yeah. gas bill. And they go, wow, you must be rich. Look <laughs> at you. It's going to be pretty yeah. dreadful. What else? Any other moments that stay out? Karen, do you have any other uh, moments that stick out for you for that Apple? So, yeah, I, I did mention already just that my, my low light being the fact that, um, you know, there were no... Um, Pro, no pro announcements and that when when the Mac Studio arrived, I, I remember thinking, oh, brilliant, Apple's catering for Creative Pros again after they got all that flack a few years back about the Mac Pro not not sort of, um, you know, the cylinder Mac Pro just not being upgradable and they basically backed themselves into a thermal corner with that one and, and it was just like, you know, they even had a meeting where they told Creative Pros, sorry, sorry, you know, they apologised. <laughs> And then having thought that, they didn't do anything else for Creative Pros all year. So I'm hopeful for 2023 that, you know, we are going to see an M2 Pro Mac Mini, for example, and the M2 Pro and Macs for the MacBook Pros. And, you know, the fact that Apple missed its own deadline with the Mac Pro, it's, it's a bit embarrassing, really. And I'm sure there are good reasons for that. But, you know, Apple is still selling a Mac Mini and Mac Pro with an Intel processor and like i said before they've got this massive gap where the 27 inch imax no longer and i feel like i'm a, I'm repeating myself a bit here because i have spoken about some of this already but i'd say you know that 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 is to me that would be a big thing this year yeah when apple does finally reveal the mac pro i hope that there's something about it that made us go oh that's why you guys had to wait not just like an M2 Pro processor or something like that. Just something about it that made you go, yeah, you needed to take some time for that. I understand now. Yeah, because we were all kind of 
excited about it last year, this past year, none of us are going to buy a Mac Pro. So it's, it's a machine beyond us. But we want to see what Apple can do with, with a machine like that. And, you know, it's indication of what kind of innovations coming out from Cupertino. It's a little disappointing that we have to wait a little longer. But it, it, it looks like 2023 could be a, a good year for innovations. You know, if the rumors are correct, things that we're hoping are going to happen are going to happen. And I, that's not just like Mac Pro, but things like, you know, are they going to bring out a HomePod with a screen now that they've got this um, Apple Music sing thing you know what's the point of having the lyrics if you can't see them rather than on your phone you know yeah you know the 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 goggles the um apple vr headset and things like that i mean i don't really know if there's a if that's going to be a big deal but it's like you say it's the things that apple's capable of and we've we've not really seen them innovating particularly other than with the button on the side of the um apple watch ultra (laughs) so it, it 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 makes me hopeful for next year that we will see some interesting things as something positive for next year, maybe. Uh, David, do you have another moment? I've got a slam. I want to slam. All right, Apple let's hear it about the uh, about the iPad, the um, the iPad Ten, which is uh, another thing I reviewed, and which whenever I show it to people, they go, "That's amazing," because it's very bright pink. <laughs> it looks really good, but I got really annoyed with it because it's um, it's compatible with the Apple Pencil Gen One, which is really old and annoying. Uh, the Gen 2 came out in 2018, so they've had four years on the market with that. And to have a new iPad come out which doesn't support the newer Apple Pencil is itself annoying. But on top of that, it's only sort of semi-compatible with the first-gen Apple Pencil because it doesn't have a lightning port. It's USB-C, uh, and the first-gen Apple Pencil charges directly into a lightning port. So you have to use a dongle. It's 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 kind of embarrassing, and it's funny though because it's we were just talking about elegance and how Apple likes to take away buttons, but then they like to add dongles to everything. They do, and it's just you just think, well, how how do they drop the ball this badly? There's various technical reasons why it's happened. You can sort of see maybe some sort of long committee process that each person's said, well, let's do this, and it's all ended up adding up to this complicated and unsatisfying solution. There's a landscape orientation front-facing camera, which sits where the wireless charging unit would be to charge the Gen 2 Apple Pencil. So they couldn't really do that. They did need to upgrade to USB-C this year because it was the last Lightning iPad. So that was kind of inevitable. So you can sort of see how they ended up in this situation. They They were understood to have been working on an Apple Pencil Gen 3, which would have been um, cheaper and charged for USB-C and be compatible with this. That was the idea originally, people think. I mean, this does make sense that they would have then launched those two things together. Then they decided not to launch the Gen 3 Apple Pencil. And at that point, you kind of have to say, well, then let's let's push back the launch of the iPad 10 or, or do something. But instead, they just blasted on ahead and go, ah, oh, dongle it. It'll be fine. <laughs> so it's all a bit, it's all a bit Did, disappointing. Didn't Steve Jobs once criticise dongles for that exact reason? If you need a dongle, then you've done something wrong. I'm sure he did. But maybe I'm imagining. It sounds like the sort of thing he'd say, and certainly not the sort of thing he would have let come out, I'm sure. I'm sure there were lots of that. Apple fans saying the same thing but, but you know and they say it about all of the stuff that comes out oh Steve Jobs would never have allowed that but honestly I really think in this case he probably would have 
had people working around the clock to fix it at any rate. Yeah, I mean, arguably, he wouldn't have allowed the upper pencil to exist anyway, because I think he was against styluses. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a real it's a real red flag, I think, um, about the standards that they're allowing of products to come through the pipeline, and they're just well, that will this do? Uh, I guess it will, and we can charge nine dollars for the dongle. Um, I mean, it, I should say it comes bundled, but if you lose it, which you will, because it's tiny then you have to pay $9 and for another the, one. The dongle doesn't work, does it? If you wanted to use a lightning to USB-C, that dongle wouldn't work for you to do that. Yeah, it, it's it's one use only. So I actually got this wrong initially. I thought you had to uh, connect it. Do my head in. Um, the, way, the way they suggest to use it is uh, plug, power outlet, cable, dongle, another node, Another dongle, another cable, and then to the iPad. But you can actually no way I've got that all wrong. Anyway, you can you can you can actually this is how much it confused me. You can charge the Apple Pencil direct from the mains using it, or you can plug it into the iPad. So it works for those two things. So I should take say two use. But as you said, Karen, you can't use it as a generic USB C to Lightning. Uh, it would be female to female anyway, which would mean it have limited usage anyway. But no, it doesn't work for that because a standard lightning, um, what do you call the bit that sticks out, the male end, I guess, that won't fit in it. It's the wrong size for that. It's just limited. Somebody on Reddit actually um, got a electric tool and, and filed it down so that it would fit, which I, I really think is dangerous. Uh, but even then it didn't work. So it, it's just wired up wrong to do anything other than um pair with an ipad or charge an apple pencil those are the only two things we can do very, very annoying well besides the apple pencil stuff the the new ipad's kind of an oddly positioned product right because you have they still kept the old ipad and then you have the ipad air which is a little bit more money i mean it just creates this clutter in this lineup that's kind of like if somebody if somebody came to me for advice and said which one should I buy, I would find that difficult because you you go ninth gen iPad is the cheap one now, then you've got the tenth gen iPad which is significantly more expensive. Um, I mean, partic- particularly here in the UK, it's very much so. But I mean, then again, in this in in the UK, the iPad nine went up in price when it was a year old, which is insane. But even in the US, it stayed the same, which is not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, as you said, then you've got the iPad Air, then you think about things like the iPad Pro. It's a very confusing range, um, and I don't really know who it's all aimed at. Apple's Apple's way of distinguishing across the range is just by the processor. Like, you basically get the A12, the A13, the A14, the A15, and that is how you work out which one's for you. But actually, there's not... There's not a big difference in processor for normal people is what they're going to be doing with an iPad. And something like the landscape camera maybe would be would be more significant to somebody. Um, you know, like my parents, for example, they use the iPad a lot for FaceTime. That's their that's their main use of their iPad. So for them, a landscape camera is is a significant upgrade. And that's not available on any of the more expensive iPads. So it's just a weird second from the bottom of the range has the nicest front-facing camera for most iPad usage. Um, it's, it's just, it doesn't feel very thought through. You know, it doesn't feel like somebody sat down at the beginning of 2022 and thought at the end of the year, 
how do you want the range to look so that it will make sense and anybody will be able to work out what to buy. They just seem to have each month gone, oh, there's a new iPad to release this month. What should we put in it? And just stumble through like that. You know, there have been rumors of a HomePod with an iPad, whether that's a built-in one or it's a or it has a stand that you can place an iPad. And if you think of that, the 10th gen iPad as a companion to that HomePod, then it makes sense. So if they had released this iPad at the same time, maybe it would seem, maybe its purpose would be a little more clear. But we don't even know if that iPod, that HomePod is really going to happen or not. That's all been a rumor. I'm not very happy with a HomePod at the moment. I, I don't particularly want a new, a new HomePod. They, they, the um, effectiveness of Siri. I don't know how this is working out for you two, but for me, Siri has got significantly yeah, I've worse. I've given up on my HomePod and switched to an Alexa because I, it just wouldn't do half the things I wanted it to do when I asked it, and I just got really frustrated. Yeah, I think it's not just Siri not understanding us. I think it's just not, it's the interface not working. You're not, not like, you know, I'd ask Siri to play a particular radio station and nine times out of 10, it wouldn't do it or it would start shuffling my songs or something like that. And it's just like, it's a simple thing. And with the Alexa, it just works every time. So, you know, I'm, I'm an, I, I love Apple, but it's just failed in that respect, I think. And it's the same for like, you know, Apple TV, the box, right? You know, that was, it's a great idea, but now we've all got all of that stuff on our TVs anyway, you know, and the, and the extra stuff that the Apple TV box brings you, the sort of gaming and things like that, I don't really care about. So yeah, it feels a bit like Apple's lost some of its, some of the reasons that made it so good because it's kind of stopped and other people have filled the gaps, I think. But I think we're being a bit negative. <laughs> so we start, try and wrap it up on a, on a lighter note. So the one thing that Apple did this past year that I really enjoyed that uh, really made my year for Apple was the TV, Apple TV Plus series Severance. <laughs> I really enjoyed that show. Uh, have you guys watched it at all? I haven't watched. No. Yeah, great show. <laughs> oh, you guys haven't watched it. For people who don't know, Severance. The show. The premise of the show is that uh, it's set. It's not necessarily set in the future, but it's set uh, in a world where you can have your. You basically have your brain split, so that you go into a work environment and you have your work life, and then. When you leave work, your non-work life kicks in and you have no memory of what happened at work. So it's basically this idea that each person, these, the people who are, are severed, not everybody does this, but, uh, people who are severed, uh, work for this one particular company. And eventually what happens is the two worlds start to collide and you start to see what happens when, people who are basically who are living two lives unknown to each other that's the other thing they don't know they're it's unknown to each other so they start having these conflicts and uh it creates it creates some pretty good storylines and the acting is very good christopher Watkins in it he's excellent john Turturro's in it they're they're both excellent they 
Adam Scott, I believe his name is, is, is basically the star of the show. Patricia Arquette's in it. So uh, it's, it's a really good show. I highly recommend it. I can't wait for season two. Uh, so that's, that, that was my highlight from Apple 22. Also, an honorable mention goes to, uh, Slow Horses. Have you guys seen Slow Horses? I haven't seen that one either, but I've heard people talk about it. So yeah, yes. you know, it's supposed to be good. So no, and I think that's a UK show. <clears throat> so I think oh, we failed our duty. I think I think you've sort of hit on one of the biggest problems of Apple TV Plus, though, and that's people aren't talking about it because that not enough people have got it. At least not here in the UK. I don't know if it's different in the states, but but you know you kind of don't hear about shows in the same way as you do with other services where you'll hear everyone talking about a particular show that's on. The only show most people have heard of is probably Ted Lasso because it got so much publicity because of winning all those awards. But like, there's so many things on Apple TV that people just don't even know about. And I was going to say, like, one of my things about Apple TV is I pay for it for a month and watch and catch up on shows I wanted to watch. Like, I paid for it in the summer so I could watch Trying and... Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch. I'll, I'll probably sign up again for a month so I can watch um, uh, what that gaming, that one about the gaming company. I can't think. Mythic what. Quest. Mythic Quest. Yes, yeah, so I know Quest. there's a new series of that, but I don't. I don't pay for it. Like I don't keep the subscription going because there's not enough that I'm aware of that I want to watch on there. I feel like you know. I think like what Apple needs is to do something like Disney Plus did, where they have Star as well. So they've got a back catalogue of other shows. Like there might be something that you will watch, or you feel like there's so much stuff that you won't be able to watch it all in a month. Severance has not gotten the buzz that Ted Lasso has gotten. Severance has gotten some award nominations here in the U.S. I don't think they've won anything. Uh, but that that's a good point. Shows on Apple TV Plus here in the U.S., they make some noise, but people aren't necessarily talking about the service like they do, like they talk about Netflix or they talk about Hulu. People in the media tend to highlight those particular services, whereas Apple TV Plus here in the U.S. hasn't necessarily gotten the same kind of traction in terms of that attention. It's, it's more about the individual shows. Apple TV Plus has some quality content on it, so that, that that's a, a good thing to go, have going for it. So they just have to keep building that library. Yeah, the hit rate is higher than on any service I've tried. But I would say it seems like about half of the stuff they have is good, which is an extraordinary, extraordinary ratio. And Bad Sisters, Bad Sisters is good as well, if you get a chance to see that. There's kind of a joke in the US that you know Netflix has a ton of content, but not all... Most of it's kind of garbage. With Apple TV, I know it's probably up to about 60 shows now or something like that, but it's still, they just need some back catalogue things on there that people want to watch. They just, they kind of back themselves into a corner again, like they always do by saying, we're just going to have our own stuff and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, we're going to have the best of whatever. But they said the same thing about Apple Arcade. And then they came up with that little loophole where they said, yes, it has to be original to Apple Arcade. So what we'll do is we'll get Snake or whatever, and we'll call it Snake Plus. And now it's original, even though it's a frame-for-frame frame remake. So they could do something. Like There's blatantly some wiggle room. And I, I did hear rumours that they were considering buying a back catalogue from somebody. But There are a lot of people that I see on, like, you know, um, 
groups talking about Apple stuff and they're confused. They, they don't understand why they've just paid for Apple TV Plus and they don't have access to all of the content that they're seeing when they look at the Apple TV app without realising that they are only getting Apple TV Plus. They're not getting access to the whole iTunes library of content. Yeah, there's a separation that needs to be more clear. And people are, Yeah, people are just really confused. They think they're buying into this service that offers them a lot more, I think. Some, some do. You do get something similar with Amazon Prime, that whenever I'm looking through that, and I'll see things and go, oh, I'd like to see that. Oh, it's not on Prime. Okay, you have to pay extra for it. But you, you, want, you want the cleanness of the Netflix app where... Everything you see, it's all yours. You know that's the that's the good the good uh, experience. Well, that does it for this episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode eight hundred and twenty-one. Thanks to Karen Haslam. Thank you. Thanks to David Price. Thank you. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the MacWorld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. This episode is the last one for 2022. Join us in 2023 for the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.